You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. But if you have your Bibles, you can look with me to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to get there eventually. Galatians chapter 4. You know, the Christmas season is upon us. There's like 13 days. In case you haven't counted, I'm sure your children are counting for you. But there's 13 days left until Christmas, the day that we celebrate the miracle of Christ's birth, God's answer, the crisis for humanity. And I don't know if you've ever thought about Christmas in this fashion or in this way, but Christmas is really a watershed moment. A watershed is a defining moment, one that marks a drastic change in the course of history or the course of someone's life. This metaphor is based on a physical watershed, a a ridge-like formation that divides water runoff. So like if you think about a mountain, a mountain would be a watershed, right? As water, as the rain falls, the water flows one way or the other way. The, The mountain itself directs the water flow. So it's a watershed. So thinking along those lines, the birth of Jesus was really a watershed moment. Now, down through history, there have been numerous watershed moments, far too many for me to recount this morning, but I want to just mention a few to kind of get you thinking about defining moments, watershed moments. There was a watershed moment February the 3rd of of the year 1468, when uh, Gutenberg, a German inventor, introduced the printing to Europe with his mechanical-type printing press. His greatest work was the Gutenberg Bible. This was a man through his printing press really brought the Bible to the common man. Like the common man could now have God's written word. So the printing press, Gutenberg and his printing press, was really a watershed moment as we think historically. December the 17th, 1903 was another watershed moment. Maybe you would recall that. There were two brothers. Their name was Orville and Wilbur, right? They built the first airplane they took, that took flight in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. They took the dream of flight and they turned it into reality. And it's that watershed moment that's changed our world, right? It's changed how we travel. Here's another watershed moment, October the 28th, 2003, a little, uh, a little closer to our time frame. It was a watershed moment. There was a young college sophomore by the name of Mark Zuckerberg who launched the social media networking system called FaceMash. Face mask. That's what it was originally called. Then in 2004, February the 4th, 2004, the name was changed to Facebook, and it's changed how we interact, right? It's changed how we connect um, together today, how we kind of work toward community. So there's watershed moments in history, but there's also, if you think about it, there's some watershed moments in your life personally. I mean, think about the time, and this may take some of you back a few years, but think about when you graduated from high school. That was a defining moment in your life. That was a pretty major achievement that, that took you into another season. Think about this. When you committed your life to the one that you love the most, when you committed to serve that one for the rest of your life, being the time you got married, I mean, you know, that was a defining moment, right? Defining moment in your life. Right? Think about this. When you were a young couple and you decided that it was time for children and you had your first child, you went from being that couple who did whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, that means you know life changed, right? It was the birth of a child. Now, that, was a, that was a great moment. That was an exciting moment. But I mean, that was a watershed moment. That was a defining moment in the life of your family. But hands down. Hands down this morning, the greatest watershed moment in history is is what we celebrate in the Christmas season, the birth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was not 
just another Jewish baby being born in Bethlehem. His birth was a watershed moment that's changed the course of history. And today, interesting today, we separate history according to his birth from B.C. to to A.D., right? B.C. means before Christ. And A.D. stands for Anno Domini, a Latin phrase which means in the year of our Lord. So our our calendar today is marked or shaped by the birth of Jesus. So Christmas cut history into two ages. There's the age of the promise, and there's the age of the fulfillment. There's no other event that has positively impacted humanity more than the birth of Jesus. That's why we define it as a, as a watershed moment. H.G. Wells, interesting, here's a man who doesn't, who doesn't profess to be a follower of Jesus. But, but listen to what H.G. Wells says. I put this quote in your notes because I thought it was, a, was a, uh, an interesting quote. He says, I'm a historian, not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irro- irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure of all history. Jesus was the most dominant figure of all history because of this. He was fully God, and he became like us so that he might rescue us. Jesus' advent was not a happenstance, but it was God taking action to reveal his love and to make a way that, that humanity might have salvation. If you can think of it like this, a line has been drawn as hope was birthed and God's promise of a redeemer was fulfilled. Now, although the birth of Jesus happened in a stable in Bethlehem on a specific day, it was actually the fulfillment of the whole Old Testament. I mean, the whole Old Testament is pointing to this watershed moment. Everything up to the time of Jesus' birth had been like building to this, this uh, expected defining moment. You know, some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah spoke of his coming, of this, of this defining moment. I want you to listen to what he wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Again, this 700 years before the miracle happened in Bethlehem, Isaiah wrote, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, what Isaiah prophesied came to fruition as Jesus was born. The long-awaited promise of the Redeemer was fulfilled as God invited two Jewish teenagers to be a part of his plan. It's interesting, as the Apostle Paul wrote about this defining line or this defining moment as he crafted his letter to the believers in Galatia, I want us to read what he wrote as recorded in Galatians chapter 4, our text for the morning, beginning with verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, notice the set time. In other words, we see this plan, this plan coming to this watershed moment. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, notice to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Notice Paul wrote, when the time had fully come, what did God do? God drew a line. So we've titled this series, The Line. God drew a line. 
When the time had fully come, God set his plan into motion. When the time had fully come, God sent his angel Gabriel to a Jewish girl named Mary to inform her that she would be a part of God's redemption plan. And what's clearly revealed is this, is that God had a plan. Although the whole miraculous birth was a surprise to Mary and Joseph, it caught them a bit off guard. They were engaged but not married yet. It was a surprise to them, but I can assure you it was no surprise to God. Why? Because God had a plan. From the fall in the Garden of Eden, the crisis of Adam and Eve's um, sin, God had a plan. I mean, even in Genesis 3.15, if you check it out there, after the crisis of the fall, God speaks of the coming of redemption, the coming of one who would right the wrong, the coming of one who would address the, the greatest crisis of humanity. From the very beginning, we see God had this, this plan, the plan to bring about the birth of our Savior. As we look to the Bible, what we discover is that God established a line, a timeline which created this watershed moment. In God's timeline, He would send His Son Jesus to be born of the Virgin to bring hope for the world. Now, His birth, interesting, the birth of Jesus is actually the fulfillment of over 300 Old Testament prophecies. In other words, there's, there's over 300 statements in the Old Testament that's pointing to this defining line, to this, this watershed moment. And Jesus fulfilled each of these prophecies. prophecies. So as we, as we read through this, through the Old Testament, there's this building anticipation leading to this watershed moment. And it's a watershed moment because it's forever changed how we faulty, failure-prone human beings can relate to God. Right? That's the difference that Christmas makes. See, God drew a line that's made redemption possible. We couldn't get to God, so God came to us. We couldn't solve our sin problem, right? Like, I didn't have the answer for it. You didn't have the answer for it. We couldn't solve our sin problem. So God moved to action to address, I believe, the greatest need of humanity. He sent His Son to die that we might live. You know, it's been said if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a science. If our greatest need had been entertainment, God would have sent us a comedian. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But that wasn't our greatest need. What was our greatest need? It was forgiveness. Right? So what did God do? He sent us a Savior. A watershed moment. He sent Jesus that He might bring redemption, redemption for our lives. So we have this line, B.C. to A.D., before and after Jesus' birth. What I want us to do just for a moment this morning is I want us to look a little deeper to the before and after. Have you ever like taken a picture? Let's say that you're restoring a car and you take the picture before of the old ragged, worn out automobile, the before, and then you get it all restored. You spend hours and you don't tell your wife how much money you spent because you spent a lot of money, right? The before and after. Or let's say you're remodeling the kitchen. Right? The, the cabinets look horrible, and so you take a picture before, and you bring in the individuals who do all the work in the kitchen, and here's the after picture, the before and the after. Well, this morning, I want us to look at before and after, because I think sometimes we, we miss the significance of Christmas. We take it as a holiday. We maybe take it as a holy, a holy day. Obviously, we understand that it was the birth of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. But sometimes we miss the significance of the before and the after, the watershed moment, the defining line 
as God brought his plan of redemption to fruition. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time with these, but let me just quickly give you the before and the after, the B.C. to the A.D. B.C., God's covenant was with Israel and only Israel. So if you were a Jew, you were in. If you were not a Jew, if you were a Gentile, you were out. So let's, let's think about that for a moment. How many of you today in this building would say, or in this sanctuary would say, you're of Jewish descent? Uh, one. Any other hands? It's a, the lights make it a little hard. So we have one person that was in. How many of you would say that you were not of Jewish descent, meaning that you're a Gentile? So we have one person that was in and all the rest of us are out. That was B.C. It was this covenant relationship that God had with Israel. Now if you look back to Genesis, we know that, that God chose Abraham and through Abraham's offspring they would come, the Messiah. But God chose one group of people, his sovereign choice, one group of people being the Jewish people through which he would bring redemption. And he established B.C., covenant relationship with the Jews, with the Jewish people. And for Gentiles, we were out. But here's the good news. Here's the watershed moment. A.D. is this. God's covenant is available to all people. How many of you know that's good news? That means this, no one's excluded, right? doesn't matter if you're Gentile or Jew, doesn't matter color of skin, doesn't matter ethnicity or background, everyone is included, that God's covenant is available to all people. No longer just the Jewish people that can be in covenant relationship with God. We all get to enjoy relationship with God today through the provision of Jesus Christ. And when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus on the eighth day to be circumcised, which was the custom of the Jews, they met a man by the name of Simeon. Next week we're going to look deeper into Simeon's story. But it's, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the promised Messiah. And so he's in the temple. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus on the eighth day. And Simeon sees Jesus, the baby Jesus, the promised Messiah. And I want you to listen to what he said. In Luke chapter 2, verse 30 through 32, this is profound. Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. Notice, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, but including the rest of us, right? Jan was already in, now the rest of us are in. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And when Jesus came, he opened up the possibility, the potential of a relationship for all. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 10 verse 4, the scripture says that Christ is the end of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone who believes. Everyone. So B.C., covenant was only with Israel Covenant relationship. But 80, God's covenant is available to all people. Here's the, sec the second before and after. B.C., there was continual sacrifice of lambs to cover the sins of the people. Listen, up until the time of Jesus, it was not good to be a sheep in the nation of Israel. Right? There was hundreds, thousands of, of lambs that were sacrificed. 
The Jewish people would bring their lambs to the priest to be presented as a sacrifice for the covering of their sin. This was a part of their, their ritual. This was a part of their worship of the prior covenant. But today, here's the good news. We don't have to offer a lamb. A.D., after Christ's birth, Jesus became our high priest and sacrificial lamb. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect lamb that was shed, that brings forgiveness for our sins and opens the way to relationship with God. It's through Jesus that, that we are now made right, or we are now made righteous. I want you to listen to how the author of Hebrews states this truth. Hebrews chapter 9. So old covenant, before Christ, there was the priest, there was the whole sacrificial system. Like, as you would come, if you were a Jew, as you would come and worship, you would bring your lamb that was without blemish, without spot, that was perfect in every way, to be presented as a sacrifice. That's prior to Christ's coming. But A.D., notice how Hebrews chapter 9 reads. He, being Jesus, did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, Cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we might serve the living God. So Jesus became what our high priest and our sacrificial lamb, making a way that we today might have our sin forgiven. You know, it's interesting, as recorded in Luke chapter 23, it was an interesting phenomenon that happened when Jesus took his last breath as he was crucified on the cross. The scripture says when he took his last breath, the veil in the temple, the temple was the place of worship, the veil in the temple that separated the holy of place from the holy of holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom, signifying what? Now that we have entry into relationship with God. B.C., you had to bring your lamb. B.C., it was, it was bloody, it was gory. A.D., Christ has become sacrificial lamb. That we might have, that we might have our sin forgiven, that we might have the privilege of relationship with God. Friends, that's why it's a watershed moment. Here, here's the third before and after. B.C., there was the promise made for the way of salvation. As I mentioned earlier in the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies that spoke of the coming of the Messiah. Again, they were pointing toward this watershed moment. I mean, the whole, the whole Old Testament is really a setup for God's promise to be revealed. There's this building expectation of the promise to come. But when the promise came to fruition in the little town of Bethlehem, most people missed it. Most people missed it. There was a few shepherds who came. Sometime later, there was, as we would know, some wise men who, who came. But, but most people missed this watershed moment. So A.D., Jesus' birth is the fulfillment of the promise, opening the way to salvation. It's interesting, when the angel came to Joseph to inform him that he would be the earthly father to Jesus, the promised Messiah, this is what... This is what the angel said to, Ma, to Joseph as recorded in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. It says, she being Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Did you catch that last line? 
You're going to call him Jesus. Why? He's going to save his people. He's going to bring salvation. So what was Jesus? Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise. So everything in the Old Testament pointing to this watershed moment, this promise, the coming of Messiah, the coming of salvation, the coming of redemption for mankind, the coming of hope. 80, what Jesus fulfilled that promise, bringing for us today life and salvation. So we are living in the promise. Isn't that good news? Listen, that's a great place to say hallelujah. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, hey, I'm living in the promise. And we're living in the promise today. The promise was spoken of. We come to this watershed moment. And now, what, folks, we're living in the moment. We're living in this, the, the promise, the promise and the plan of redemption. Well, here's the final before and after. B.C., the Holy Spirit came upon certain people, empowering them for service. Notice, came upon, not reside, residing in. The Holy Spirit came upon individuals. Throughout the Old Testament, there's stories where the Holy Spirit came upon people like the prophet Elijah who called down fire from heaven. The Holy Spirit came upon David the shepherd boy who went out and and slew the, the giant Goliath. But the Holy Spirit didn't reside in them. The Holy Spirit came upon. But A.D., Jesus' birth opened the way for the Holy Spirit to reside within us, empowering all of us for service. I want you to listen to how John, John the Baptist states this in, in Luke chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. There were some individuals who thought maybe John the Baptist was the promised Messiah. And so John had to correct them. And I want you to notice what he says about the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. It says the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. He's speaking of Jesus. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you, notice, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will, if you will, he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. See, what Jesus, what, what Jesus spoke of, Happen on the, or excuse me, what John spoke of happened on the day of Pentecost as the disciples received the Holy Spirit. And as you know, their lives were transformed. All of a sudden, there's this boldness. All of a sudden, they're, they're living out this witness of Christ. All of a sudden, they're empowered for acts of service. We read about it throughout the book of Acts. Miracles are happening. The church explodes with growth. It was all because of what? It was because of the Holy Spirit. So A.D., what? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit for service. So what happened in Acts chapter 2, what I would submit to you this morning, is still available for us today. The same power is available for us as Christ followers. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached his first sermon. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. The people who were there that day heard his sermon, and they asked this question, what shall we do? Obviously, Peter preached a sermon. He, whatever he said captured their hearts and said, Peter, okay, wh- what do we do? What do we do with this news? And I want you to listen to what Peter said. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he goes on to say, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. 
for those present, it's for you and your children. And notice he goes on to say, and and for all who are far off. I think Peter was speaking of us today. We are those who who were far off. Speaking of time frame. It's for, it's for you, your children, and all, for, all who are far off, for all on whom the Lord God w- will call. So today as Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit who resides in us. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us for, for service. You've heard me say this before, but here's the good news. You have help. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have help. You have the Holy Spirit who resides in you. So A, uh, B, C... Before Christ, the Holy Spirit came upon individuals, empowering them in a moment, for a moment. A.D., this watershed moment, today, as followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in us. We are the temple. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 6. We are the temple. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That means wherever you go, what you have, again, you have help. You have the Holy Spirit who, who empowers you for service. In one of Max Licato's books, he wrote about the line. The line that Jesus drew and the difference it makes today. I, I want you to listen as I conclude this morning. I, I want to read just a portion of, of Max's book. He wrote, the, the belief of the French philosopher Voltaire... The Bible and Christianity would pass within a hundred years. He died in 1778, and the movement continues. The pronouncement of Friedrich Nietzsche in 1882, God is dead, the dawn of science, he believed, would be the doom of faith. Science is dawned, and the movement continues. The way the Communist Dictionary defined the Bible is it is a collection of fantastic legends without any scientific support. Communism is diminishing and the movement continues. Discovery made by every person who's tried to bury faith the same as the one made by those who tried to bury its founder. He won't stay in the tomb. The facts, the, new, the movement's never been stronger. Over two billion followers and growing. The question, how do we explain it? Jesus was a backwater peasant, never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never journeyed more than 200 miles from his hometown. Friends left him, one betrayed him, another denied him. Those he helped forgot, forgot him. Prior to his death, they abandoned him, but after his death, they couldn't resist him. What made the difference? His miraculous birth, sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection. And Jesus became the defining line. You know, Christmas is certainly a holiday. It's a holiday that the world recognizes and celebrates. But more than a holiday, it was a line that was established. As I was thinking about it, Christmas is is certainly a holy day. It's a holy day for the church, the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. But don't miss this this morning. It was the line. The line that God drew opening the way to abundant life and eternal life. The fact is, is that Jesus' birth split history, B.C. to A.D. It was a watershed moment. That is a historical fact, folks. Defined by history. 
But listen, it'll only change your life and your destiny if you step over the line. If you step over the line to receive Jesus' provision for your life. The watershed moment of the Advent, Jesus can become a watershed moment in your life personally if, here's the big if, if you receive the provision of salvation. So Jesus came for one reason. And here's the reason. To bring salvation for mankind. And Jesus became this watershed moment, this defining moment. In my book, the greatest watershed moment in all of history. Why? Because it's forever changed, not only the course of humanity, but it's forever changed the course of history. If you want to do an interesting study, study about the impact of Christ and the impact of the church down through history. Amazing. It was a watershed moment. But hear me, all of, this, all of the facts and all the information really does nothing to change your life unless the watershed moment of Christ's coming becomes a watershed moment in your life. Listen, just to celebrate Christmas without embracing the Christ of Christmas, you, you, miss, you miss really the significance of the whole season. Jesus came to do what? He was the line. Jesus came to do what? To bring salvation. And for every individual, what do you have to do? You have to step over the line. Meaning you have to make a decision. Will I receive Christ or will I reject Christ? Pretty big decision because that, defi- that decision not only shapes your life, but it defines your destiny. you pray with me Lord I thank you this morning that you so loved the world that you gave that you had a plan a plan to address the crisis of humanity and that in your plan you you sent your son we have this watershed moment that's forever changed the course of history God we thank you this morning that we have the privilege today of of living in relationship with you. And and Lord, all of the benefits and the blessings, the provision that comes with that, or that we get to enjoy every day. Lord, for that we're grateful. Lord, what what I know as revealed in your word is that for every individual, they have to make a decision. Are they going to step over the line? Are Are they going to open their lives to that of your provision? Lord, simply... The fact that you came, that knowledge alone doesn't change a person's life. It's receiving you as their Savior. That becomes the defining moment. That becomes the watershed moment in their own life. So Lord, my prayer today is for any who would be here, any who would be watching online who need to step over the line. They need to make the decision today. God, I pray that their hearts would be responsive to receive the greatest gift ever, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to give you that opportunity this morning. Listen, Jesus has, he's defined the line. But as I said, every individual has to make a choice to step over the line. Every individual has to make the choice to receive Christ's provision. So for those watching online, as well as those here in the balcony on the main floor. Maybe today you need to make that decision. 
If you've never opened your heart to Jesus, you've never received Christ as your Savior, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Is there anyone today who would just simply say, Pastor, I need to step over the line. I need to make that decision. If you're watching online all you need to all you need to type in is i'm stepping over the line today someone will connect with you reach out to you pray with you but for those here present is there anyone today who would just say hey pastor today today i want to embrace christ as my savior praise god lord again we thank you for your provision for our lives, for your rescue, for the redemption, for the difference from B.C. to to A.D. and how that's defined our lives. Lord, in this Christmas season and throughout this Christmas season, Lord, may we um, just live in gratitude, be grateful that of your provision for our lives. Lord, may we be reminded throughout this season of the watershed moment, the difference Lord Jesus, that you made as you became like us to rescue us. But I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.